Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. How are you doing today? Good. I freaked some of you out because I wore a coat and it's not Easter. And, uh, and I got to tell you, uh, there's a real reason. Uh, no clean clothes. So anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's the reason why today. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. So glad you're here if you're, uh, just, uh, if you're just checking out the church. We are in a new series. Uh, we, we spent some time in First Thessalonians uh, in Hope Agent. Last week we had uh, my good friend uh, Mark Clark here, uh, which uh, he did an amazing uh, job. You want to listen to that one online. And today we're doing something a little different. And, and if you're not normally part of this church, you're, this is a great time for you to be here. Because we're talking for the next few weeks about how the, the we, how we move together as a church uh, spiritually. And so we're calling this squad goals because there's personal growth for us, yet there's also growth for us as uh, people who would gather together uh, across five campuses, many services, and all that really is Timberlake Church. And so if you'll take your uh, notes out of your program, uh, we're going to get to that uh, in a moment. Uh, I hope you've been having a great summer. Uh, Hopefully it's gone uh, well for you. I uh, haven't been traveling. I traveled uh, for, uh, for the first time in actually quite a while. And as I was uh, in the plane, I was talking to someone uh, because my headphones went dead, so the Lord just wanted me to talk to someone. And uh, as I was talking, having the conversation, I, I get up and I'm going to the aisle, going to go to the bathroom, and someone says, you're Ben Sigmund, aren't you? And I said, I gave him the answer. I always give someone when they ask that is, it depends. The, uh, <laughs> why do you want to know? <laughs> because I may not be in this circumstance. And uh, I don't like to be called out. And I think a lot of us, when it comes to areas of spiritual growth, we can feel called out. And hopefully it's not by me. It's not by anyone else here. But it's really by God's Holy Spirit who would call us out and call us uh, to another level in our faith. Uh, We're talking about our first squad goal, which is pray first. And uh, that's really what we want to be about as a church. And and you think about it for you personally, before you start your day, pray first. Before you have the conversation, pray first. Before you send that email, please pray first. And uh, just think of how many things could be different if we prayed First, now prayer is, in some ways, it's the most non-controversial topic, but also uh, some of the, the least, uh, least understood topic that there is in, in Christianity. Uh, just like Mark said last week, when it comes to God, we sort of dump our beliefs into this idea of God, and then Jesus interrupts all that. The same thing can happen uh, around prayer. Uh, I came across some new, I shared these uh, probably six, seven years ago, uh, some new uh, kids' prayers 
uh, to God. I like this one. Dear God, I promise to never say those words again, at least until my next shot. <laughs> dear God, I keep on waiting. For, this is a kid from Washington. I, dear God, I keep on waiting for spring, but, to, uh, but it never come yet. Don't forget. I like this one. Dear God, I have some scary dreams at night. Where do they come from? Or should I ask the devil that, Billy? <laughs> uh, and then this is my favorite. Uh, or, Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. <laughs> and then this is my favorite. Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up, but without so much hair all over. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> and so uh, when it comes to prayer, we can often, uh, we, we often have this, childlike and sometimes childish perspective. And what I really want us to get is, is a, a biblical perspective uh, because prayer is not just the thing in and of itself. Prayer is something that accomplishes it, really more than anything a relationship with God. Here's some scriptures that we find about prayer. Uh, we're told in Acts 1, the early church, uh, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. We see this again and again. And then in Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then in Philippians, uh, we read this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. And some of you need to hear this tonight. Do not be anxious. Well, go ahead and move back. We want it because there's some people here who need this. Uh, do not be anxious about what? Anything. How many of you do a good job of that? Uh, just me. Okay, anyway. Uh, so <laughs> do not. But in every situation by prayer and petition. In every situation, we're told again that it's one of these things that it's, we always should be at prayer. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, this is a result, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, and I think there's not many of us that would argue that's something that we don't want in our life. Uh, all, all of us would want that. The question is, how do, we, how do we get that in our life? Well, as we look at prayer in the Bible, there are 650 prayers in the Bible. There are 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible. Jesus prayed uh, 25 different times. That's recorded during his earthly ministry. Uh, the Apostle Paul mentions prayer 41 times. The question isn't, should I pray? The, que the question really, I think for most of us, is a why, what difference does it make, and in what circumstance? Sometimes, and I didn't grow up religious. I didn't grow up in a, uh, I'm, I come from, ethnically, I'm Jewish, so I come from that background. Uh, my parents, they didn't go to temple or anything, uh, and they just sort of used drugs. And so that was their temple. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, uh, they were just, you know, ahead of the legalization of marijuana by about 35 years. So, the, uh, uh, so that's how I grew up. Uh, by the way, I'm probably one of the few people my age who has never, ever tried marijuana in my whole life, but have probably been high by accident about 40 times just from growing up in that household. And so that, that started. So I didn't grow up in a religious environment at all. And uh, so for me, uh, it was, it, when I heard about prayer, well, it's sort of like, 
you remember uh, this? For some of you, I, I know they've probably changed things now. Things are a little more politically correct. But, uh, but you remember some of the things you learned in school, and you're wondering, will I ever use this? Uh, like dissecting a frog. You remember that? How many of you have ever been to a job interview and they lay out a dead frog in front of you? And they're like, okay, what can you do with this, baby? I'll tell you if you get hired. Uh, or my favorite was what, what they used to do. Uh, now, I grew up in Tacoma, so we, you know, maybe it was a little different down there. Uh, we, uh, you remember the big rope they had to the top of the gym? And you had to shimmy up the rope. So when's the last time you like applied for a mortgage or to get an apartment? And they said, hey, we want to see how you do up this rope. You know, that doesn't happen. And there's, or uh, my favorite is the recorder. Yeah, which is no one's favorite, by the way. <laughs> you know, you're, you're like a musician. And they said, yeah, we want to see how you do on this recorder. And then you can, no, see, there's things that we, we don't necessarily connect the activity to the value. Now, obviously, in all of those things, you could say it's learning about music, it's about physical health, it's learning uh, about uh, how biology works. But there can be a disconnect from what, what we did to really what it means. And so here's my goal. My goal is to help us get a little better understanding uh, about prayer and also just some practical tools to really navigate decisions because my guess is that many of you are, are making some decisions right now. You're making decisions in your family. You're making decisions in your workplace. You're making decisions about God, which really is the ultimate decision. You know, people will say that and you're like, okay, yeah, yada, yada, yada. No, it really is because it'll affect your career, your marriage, your finances, your health, everything else really. That Jesus decision is the central decision that we make in our life. If you're in the habit of prayer, there's some things that I know about you already. I may have never met you, but I know this about you, is that you're open to spiritual input. Uh, you know you need a power bigger than yourself. Uh, you take moments to reflect on your life and recalibrate. You probably have acknowledged some struggles in your life. You understand the fragility that accompanies our humanity and that you have a level of hope for your future. Yet, I think many of us, what we'll do is we'll walk away from this practice, or maybe you're like me, you weren't raised in a religious environment, it really was never uh, part uh, of, of your life. Uh, in fact, I, I've said before, my first prayer I remember I was, uh, I think I was 14 years old. I uh, had one of my very first jobs. I, I washed mobile homes on South Tacoma Way at a mobile home dealership. And uh, yeah, so, and I've sort of told you my career track. I, I went busboy, then worked at Kmart, and then became the pastor here. And that's sort of what happened. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> there were a couple jobs in between. But my first prayer was, God, if you are real, will you show yourself to me? That's the most dangerous, like you're here and you say, I don't believe in God. Well, one, the crazy thing is 19% of atheists pray. I don't know what you're praying to, but good job. And so uh, if you will pray, that will change your life. It'll wreck your life. Because if you're honest and open, which only you can evaluate that, God will show up in a powerful way. I remember that. I remember, you know, was confused. We had, you know, 
friends who were all religious and we were none of it. He said, God, if you're real, will you show yourself to me? See, if you don't pray, I, I, and especially maybe if you're a Christ follower, I know some things that are also probably true about you is that you might not be growing spiritually like you want to be. In fact, that's probably not happened. You, you probably feel like God is silent. Scripture feels more like history than a reality. You could be struggling to deal with your struggles, and my guess is you're walking through life in those struggles alone, and you're not experiencing the level of joy that you want in your life. So here's what I want to do, endeavor to do today, as I say pray first, that, uh, and, and we'll, I'll talk a little bit about the, the mechanics. I've done that. I preach a lot on prayer. That's probably not a bad thing for a pastor to do. But what I want to do is I want to talk about our decision-making process, particularly in prayer, and a roadmap that we find in the Scripture. Because here's what happens, is often we, we make a decision and ask God then to bless it, right? Have you ever done that? Yeah, if you're single, you've done that. You've dated someone, and you didn't pray before you went on the date. You just said, okay, hey, hey, I sort of like this person. God, will you, will you be here somewhere in that? You know, I know I should date a Christian. They're not a Christian, but they're hot, and God, you can make them a Christian. So, you know, and that's sort of how we are, and that's how we make our decisions. Uh, but what if we included God on the front end? See, oftentimes what will happen is we blame God where we have not included him. You know that God, God wants to be included in every aspect of your life, and you have the decision whether or not that's going to happen. Uh, and that, that can be a challenge. If you say, oh, Ben, I feel bad I didn't do that in the past. Why are you worried about the past? The past is called the past. The only problem is if you continue that in the future, then you are doomed to repeat that, and God wants to do something new in your life. And so if you say, I'm going to step into this new thing, it's living differently. And I think one of the things that we can do as a, a church, uh, you and I can do as individuals, is that we can pray first. So what does the scripture tell us about that? Is uh, one, to start with active gratitude. Uh, that there's an act of gratitude. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 100. The whole psalm is a psalm of praise. Uh, it's actually, uh, I believe, one of the psalms of ascent as people would go up to Jerusalem to worship uh, God. And it's one of thanksgiving. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. One of the things that is important for us is to say, God, we praise you for what you've done. Uh, even as a church, you know, uh, I, think, I think the church should ultimately, and Mark reminded us, the church is about Jesus, Jesus first. But we have to say, Jesus, we thank you for where you've been working in, in our church. Uh, this, this summer has been a great summer uh, we, uh, the, I, I don't know uh, what's wrong with you, but I'm glad it happened. Our adult attendance is the highest in the summer in the history of the church. So I'm glad you're coming to church. That's awesome. And usually after church that, you know, we're hitting, I've been here 11 years, but the church has been around 30 years. And we're really honestly seeing a, a momentum, and we're seeing it on our campuses, our, you know, from uh, Issaquah, Duval, and, and all, the, all the way down in Castle Rock. 
they're running out of room in Castle Rock. Literally, they have, like, they'll have 400 people on a weekend and 2,300 people live in the town. And so God is doing, and we need to say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. We hear those stories of life change. Our, you know, many of you know that we became the parent organization for Acres of Diamonds, which helps with uh, transitional housing for homeless women and kids. And that really, on the east side, uh, other organizations are approaching us and saying, hey, it se you seem to be doing that well and keeping Jesus first. That, that keeps us from some funds, federal funds. But the effectiveness is speaking. And so we say, God, we, we thank you for how you're, you're working in our life, in our church. See, oftentimes uh, we, we think that we have a, a relational problem, a prayer problem, and what we'll have is a gratitude problem. Uh, I, I, work, I do a little bit of uh, consulting, which is weird. I always thought that was weird when people said they did consulting. I'm like, so don't you have a real job? But no, I do that a little bit too. And uh, it's actually fun. So I travel uh, and it's around uh, financial development for Christian organizations, uh, which, you know, I mean, I know shocker, Ben from the Jewish, it's, it's a burden of my people to teach you Gentiles about money. <laughs> so the, uh, it really is. So. Uh, and people will say, uh, you know, they'll say, uh, you know, we have a problem. And really it is, is gratitude. So if you're, if you're a Christ follower and you're like, oh, giving's a problem. Yeah, yeah giving is a problem. It, don't worry about that. It's, do you see the grace of God in your life and you see all that he's given you and you, uh, you want to invest in his kingdom work? If you have that gratitude, then the how-to, yeah, there's some things around that. But focus on your heart and say, no, I, I want to not just you know, get manipulated in a moment, which I hate that when that happens. Uh, society does it. Secular society, churches do it. But say, no, out of a heart of gratitude, I'm investing in your kingdom work. And I could apply that to every other area of our life. And that really comes to number two, is put everything on the table. When we pray and we're praying through decisions, we talk about here about the last 5% a lot. Because often we're like, okay, Jesus, I, I give you, you know, uh, the old song, uh, yeah, I give you all, and really it should be, I give you most. And it's that last 5% that we hold back. And I don't know what that is for you. It could be your time, it could be your energy. You know what often it is? It's your failure and your sin. And we're, we're afraid, I, by the, I don't get this, we're afraid to confess something to God. He knows. You know, and he probably wouldn't have done it if you knew he was there. You know, and he's going, oh, my goodness. And so, so what do we do? It, uh, we, we read again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. In every situation, and I put it all on the table. Number three, seek and follow God's direction. If God seems silent in your life, I, I would say this, and this is not, we don't believe in that you work your way to heaven and you're good enough and God accepts you. Jesus did all of that on the cross. But if God seems silent in your life, the question may be, is when God has spoken, have you followed? 
because uh, it's not like your kids where you, you know, have to say it 52 times. Uh, I know we have some students here. I'm sorry. But the, uh, the, but God will speak, and then we're like, uh, maybe not. So if we want to hear God's voice, we need to follow the direction that he gives. It says in James 1.5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should what? Ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I honestly know some folks who have come from backgrounds. One of my favorite guys in a church I pastored uh, in Santa Barbara uh, in Uh, as I was pastoring there, this guy had a lot of, he was really sort of semi-homeless. He had all sorts of issues, drug problems. And and, and he came to the Lord uh, and he he really started reading the Bible. He was not very literate, started reading the Bible and he started reading through the Proverbs. And I'm not, you know, saying, okay, you do this and God will make you rich. But literally, he, he started doing that. He started, he worked as a construction worker and then a superintendent and then a contractor and now he builds some of the nicest homes all over Santa Barbara. And I said, how did you learn to do that? You don't have any education. And he said, I just, I, I just listen to the wisdom I find in the scripture when it comes to treating people right and honesty and diligence. And so the question is, am I going uh, to do that? A buddy of mine, when I lived in San Diego, so you can tell I've had a pretty rough life. Santa Barbara, San Diego, <laughs> and uh, then Sammamish. So it just has to start with an S. Hopefully the Lord's not sending me to Sacramento. So the uh, <laughs> so uh, sorry if you're from Sacramento. Trust me, I'm just got from there. I am sorry. So the uh, uh, but anyway, so uh, as I was in San Diego, a buddy of mine, uh, he went to our church down there, and he was the captain of the lifeguards for the city of San Diego, which is sort of cool. That's like the Baywatch sort of position, and uh, he had a great job. He was. Like, uh, so he's equivalent to a battalion chief in the fire department. And he'd, he'd tell these great stories. And I said, do you ever have a problem uh, when you're out there rescuing people? And uh, he said, yeah, there's, you know, one time I was out and there was this big guy. And what will happen is when people are drowning, you know what uh, they do is they freak out. And, and this guy was like tr- pulling him down under the water. This was this big muscly guy and he was freaking out and pulling him down and pulling him down. And I said, I, he said, I started to drown. And I said, what did you do? He said, just two times really quick, punched him in the face and knocked him out and then was able to drag him uh, away and save his life. And you say, what's the application there? Do you need to be punched in the face? Uh, <laughs> Will you, will you listen to God now? Or, well, I'm not like physically going to punch you in the face. I'm not going to. Uh, I'll bring Pastor Chris up. Now, if he did, that would be, you know, he's a big guy. So the, uh, you're like, ah, I can take on him, that old Jewish guy. Anyway, so the, but the, the, the reality is that circumstance will come, and sometimes it's just circumstance. You know, let's face it. Sometimes... Marriages don't work out. Sometimes cancer happens. And these things are not, they're they're not necessarily related to something you did. And and maybe you were in a religious environment where you were told everything's a straight line. But yet there are those times where we keep on making the same decision 
and, and, and God gets our attention by letting the natural consequences. I've had, conver- I've said this before, I've had conversation after conversation. A lot of young adults go here and, oh yeah, you know, I had this problem and, and you know, I was dating this guy and he treated me bad and, well, would tell me about, yeah, you know, he wasn't a Christian, he was sort of a bad boy and, and I like to date the bad boys and then they treat me bad and then I feel bad and, you know, it's sort of that thing. And maybe God is saying, no, you're worth more than that. That you are worth... You are worth so much. You are, you are a, a, a child of God. And if you'll step into that reality, see, you don't need to be treated like that. And it's not this politically correct stuff. It's, it's God correct. It's how he created you, how he values you. Now, you might be going through a difficulty, and, and part of this praying through decisions is praying through your struggles. Psalm 55, 17, it says, every morning, noon, uh, every morning and noon I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. That we, we see in the Psalms, and these are the unedited emotions of, of the psalmist, that, that I know that God hears me, that he's not left me in this moment. And God may not be answering your prayer the way you want to right now. You know, we, I think we, we, we know, maybe you know enough about God to know that God, sometimes he'll say, I'm going to answer your prayer powerfully. Sometimes there's, we don't know why he's silent. Sometimes we find out later. But, but trusting him in the process of that. But then part of that is to acknowledge where you struggle. Dr. Henry Cloud, uh, he psychologist, really well-known, uh, consults with Fortune 100 companies. In his book, Never Go Back, he says, uh, the only person I can't help is the person who says they don't have any problems. And so when we pray through our struggles, it's the acknowledgement of that. See, we all have this, uh, this vision. We all have a vision for the future. We have an, it's either an, an imagination of what God would do in us and through us, or that vision can be a temptation to go away from God. And so if we invite God into that and, and, and pray through those struggles, we will see him active. It leads to number five, seek and offer forgiveness. In uh, one of the most famous uh, parts of the Bible we read in uh, Matthew and in Luke, it has this as well, the Lord's Prayer, where it says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, another translation, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Have you ever thought about that? If, if, you've, if you're like, I came to church and I came to Jesus a little later in life, but the prayer is Jesus, that, hey, God, forgive me in the way I have shown forgiveness to other people. And for some of you say, hey, that's pretty scary. You mean, I, I want God to do what I would do, and, and there's something there that challenges us in prayer. And maybe you're, you're moving into this fall, you're moving into this next season, and you're moving in with bitterness. I identified some bitterness in my own heart. I won't tell you who it was against. 
I'll see if you're here. No, I'm just kidding. You're not here. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> none of you people. No, the, uh, uh, and I realized that it was keeping me from going where God wants me to go in the future. It was keeping me from seeing clearly. And, and the hard part is when someone doesn't deserve it, they didn't ask for it. And then I'm reminded of Jesus as he died on the cross, as he gave his life, and we, didn't, we don't deserve his forgiveness. And it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he gives it. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to really follow me, do that thing. And here's the thing. I've talked to so many of you. I know the stuff you've gone through, and I get angry. I get angry at hearing how people have treated you, what's happened, and you're like, you know, I feel like I should get them, and I'm like, hey, I'll help you out. You know, I mean, it, but I know it'll destroy your life. I know it'll destroy your life. We see it destroying, I've seen it in families, I've seen it in churches. I mean, we'll turn on the news. You'll see, yeah, don't do that, right? <laughs> uh, but you'll see when there's not grace involved, what can happen? And that leads to number six, prioritize God's mission and purpose. In the scripture, we, we get an idea of God's mission, God's heart, and, and, and the ultimate question for us, as Pastor Mark reminded of us last week, is how do I align with God's mission and God's purpose? See, I, I want the very best for you. I want you to, and I believe that if you follow Jesus, uh, that, that you will see some benefits in your life, in your relationships. I mean, it, it goes to every aspect of how you feel about yourself, every other way, when we start living according to God's plan. But ultimately, it's about his plan. We read it, say, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so the question is, are we going to join him in his mission? We're preparing as a church for this next season. As I said, it's been unprecedented what God is doing uh, in our churches, in this, this campus, other campuses. And, and we've always been that, and we, we're, you know, we're uh, our third church plant, not including, it's not a Timberlake campus, starts in four weeks. And we're excited about that, but we believe it can't be about us. Can't be about me for certain. And it's us saying, God, we want to come to you in prayer. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask everyone to do it. Don't worry, I can wait. The, uh, your programs, there's a connection card there. I want you to take it out. Take it out. It could have been worse. I could ask you to take out your wallet. You know, <laughs> the, uh, uh, I'm just saying a connection card. Here's, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I want us for 21 days to pray. 21 days for us to pray together. To say, pray first, to seek God first. Now, honestly, if you don't want to fill it out, okay. But I would hope that if you at all consider Timberlake your home or even or here and say, hey, you want to come back next, what, next week, that you would just write your name and your email address and the word prayer. 
Because what we're going to do for 21 days is we're going to send out uh, an email, an encouragement. And I believe that as we pray together, that God is going to continue to do a great work in us and through us. We want to be more open to the Lord than we've ever been. Uh, it's exciting, and, and I, I'm running out of time, so I can't tell you. I was going to tell you sort of all the things that God has been doing and is doing. Uh, but one of the areas that we are focusing on in this next year is our Restore Ministries. Many of you have heard of Reengage. Uh, there have been over 700 people who've been through it. It's for people, if you're married and you say, you know, hey, my marriage is struggling or want it to get a little bit better or, you know, wherever you're at, we've had amazing impact through Reengage. Uh, and we have seen marriages transformed or go into the next level. We have our other, you know, whether it's uh, grief share, divorce care, financial peace, those ministries where people have said, you know, I've given up on this area of my life. I've given up on having hope in this area of my life. And we believe that when we invite the Lord, when we invite Jesus in through prayer and participation, that he does an amazing work. And I hope you believe that for you. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.